All right. Hello and welcome to another Soccer to the Max. Hopefully Eric's screen will make it through the entire <laughs> show as it is flashing at us as we go on here. We are here for another edition of now including Champions League into the <laughs> show as the Champions League is back and we'll get to talk about at least one team's foray into that. Um, well, I guess it'd be two teams because they're playing two, they're, they're two teams playing each other um, in, into that uh, realm for, for the Tuesday games. Of course, there's still a whole slate of Wednesday games uh, that you can go watch while, uh, while you can still uh, listen to this as well. So out of that international break, already had those those games again for your clubs. Uh, so we'll have our supporter, our regular supporters club, talking about our clubs again, and of course uh, some of what we've watched as well. Eric, uh, anything uh, just this this week in general before we get into talking about the soccer? Uh, how have you been? Oh, I've been good, but I've been busy. As those of you who also follow R&R Sports Report, went ahead, came off the bench. They had some scheduling stuff, so they invited me in, helped celebrate their 50th episode and host the second hour. Had a great time spreading the word. Definitely check them out. They're helping us out, spreading the word for us, so... Everything is yeah. just copacetic. <laughs> definitely, definitely always check out uh, Randy and uh, Robert over there on the uh, R&R Sports Report. One heck of a show to go watch. I uh, hate that I still have not been able to watch the, the show at all, especially now that we do the show at the same time as they do. Of course, they're over there in the Pacific uh, time zone, so much earlier for them here. Uh, we're starting a bit later than usual as – I had some uh, family things uh, come up here, and I just uh, spayed my my little Great Dane puppy, and she's recovering now. But uh, it was a tough few days, and and she's she's getting back to her old self. Hopefully, by the weekend, I can take the little cone off, and she can go visit her sister from another uh, breed again. She she misses. Uh, my girlfriend's uh, pitbull bulldog that we have over there—they play nonstop, constantly when when they're together. So, uh, yeah, I mean, aside from that, just it has uh, been the the usual working and and all those things. But let's get on to the soccer, and of course, like, it almost was a dream week for one Cristiano Ronaldo, but one uh, a, a, a just a a cavalcade of errors uh, made that not happen uh, as great as he would like, but still had a dream re-debut for, in the Premier League, uh, one Cristiano Ronaldo, who bagged two goals against Newcastle, one of the, uh, I guess, formally, you could say, formidable foes, uh, perhaps not so much now, uh, as Newcastle is really, as Alan Shearer put it on the weekend, uh, very much like a a shade of its former self. I mean, he doesn't even recognize that team anymore. And uh, why should he? They are they're They have no identity whatsoever. It's like they just, they show up every season and do things. And Miguel Amiron and Maximan are fantastic. I don't know how much longer they're going to be able to keep them at all, but those are really the only two bright spots for that team, honestly, uh, for the entire 
uh, game. And this kind of just coincides with, you know, I watched both these games uh, this week. That's a, like a large majority of what I've uh, really been able to watch because of uh, things, uh, other things that I've had to do. But uh, quite frankly, uh, the, I don't know if you watched all of it, Eric, but the, the Man You Got a Game was fun just from you got what you wanted, right? When all the only got one, oh, you yeah. got two. Oh, yeah. I was thankfully up in time, able to see the whole match. It's just, it's almost like he never left. Yes, his first goal, some would argue, yeah, it was a sitter just from a couple RG out, but come on. Setting him up in the 4-2-3-1 as more of that target man, knowing he's going to get positioning inside the 18-yard box and weave around in the six, that was perfect for him. And then that second goal was just that old-fashioned Cristiano Ronaldo magic. And yeah, I didn't necessarily like the chain of possession that eventually led to the bad pass, which is the Newcastle goal, but in the second half, banking the third and the fourth, A. Welcome home, CR7. Yeah, it definitely did it feel like he had never <laughs> left, uh, honestly. And and that's great. I mean, that honestly shows how great of an athlete he is, that he can just come in at 36 years old. How many 36-year-olds do you know going out there playing like that? Obviously, he's not the winger that he used to be. But he still showed a little bit of that speed on the second goal going by um, the defender there and put it through the goalkeeper's legs to, to get that second goal. The first goal, like you said, poacher's goal. But if you're going to be the center forward, those are the kind of goals that you need to get. And he got that. And then Bruno, not letting you forget that he exists, that there's another Portuguese player right there with Ronaldo on the same team. They even actually speak Portuguese to each other as they're trying to set things up and uh, Bruno set him up on the, the one goal that he scored in the Champions League game as well. So we were worried about how they were going to connect with each other because sometimes how they flirt up in international play. They have a great connection already so far in the first two games they've played together. Pogma looks more lively as well. I mean, I think some of the play, namely Sancho, I think needs to find his way. Uh, so far, but honestly, he really hasn't been able to have time to find his way in the team, period, even without when Ronaldo wasn't there. Uh, so this is going to be an interesting thing. But obviously, again, you have to point out that it is Newcastle that they were playing. And mm -hmm. after that, especially the third goal from Bruno, they were they kind of were very much deflated and then getting Lingard to get the, the fourth goal, which is ironic considering he's the <laughs> one that uh, would later allow the big shock so far of the first round of, I mean, you gotta be excited for Jordan people who, you know, American born got was raised in France speaks French as he got to do the, uh, the interview at the end and everything in France. But the man went out there, huge moment, 95th minute, Puts in a goal because Lingard basically gives him a free back pass. He still had some work to do to do that. And then add the outpouring of emotion that happens at the at the end of knowing you won, you beat Man United at home. Uh, I mean, the way the players went for him was uh, 
was crazy to see, honestly. Like, that yeah. was... It's yeah, cool. I saw the last 20 minutes, and you encapsulated it perfectly. Great moment for people. Incredible moment for U.S. soccer. Terrible moment for Manchester United. Jeez, yeah. Even in seeing that moment, it was great for him. Individual play, even getting that pass, getting the winner. But I was leading up to that, and I was like, I'm a little bit worried if this is how things are going to start. Just when it was one all. And then that goal happened. I was like, I had typed in a message. Oh, we were losing. But then I had to realize, oh, it wasn't happening yet. And then we wind up losing. It's like, maybe a problem. Maybe. Yeah. I definitely, I mean, look, uh, I think there's no doubt on the red card for Juan Basaka. He steps on him and he not only steps on his, it's not like one of those where you step on his foot. Mm -hmm. uh, right. He, he steps on his ankle as well it his foot turns a bit it's not one of those where you can easily just say oh man this is uh something that you know i can i can point to and say oh well you know they could have gone to var for that now it, it was really clear no it was clear and and juan masaka to see better about those kind of things um that's one of the, his uh, focal points he needs to work on uh, going forward of just make sure you're not late to challenges. And yeah. he paid for it, and, you know, it hurt your team. Yeah, if you're going to challenge, do so properly. You know, like, how to aim and get the ball and things like that. So, red card, now he misses the next match. So, you're paying an even bigger price not just after what happened with the team as a whole, but it's a tough lesson, but he'll learn. Yeah, I think for me, though, what is perhaps not just Ronaldo coming back and, and making it look like a seamless thing for him is we saw the the positives of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer getting to pick the team and then the negatives of what happens when he can no longer just get to ride on that team. Uh, I think he doesn't, he doesn't make the best choices. He, there's a lot of time left in that game. Mm -hmm. Why are you just automatically settling for a draw there? Uh, you're putting on a back five, putting on defenders. Uh, look, I get it. Ronaldo is 36. I get it. You need to rest him for the next game. You know, I get all of that. I know he just came off of, uh, I mean, he did have a week to rest. He didn't play all three of those games for Portugal. But you still could have left him up there. He still could Easily. have been a decoy. He still could have been somebody that they have to pay attention to, right? If you have Absolutely. no one that you're paying attention to up front at all that's going to cause danger, this, uh, this puts all the pressure on your defenders. It doesn't matter how many you have out there. Because all it takes is one mistake, as we mm -hmm. saw what happened with Jesse Lingard, who gets put up there. And then you, you're putting on, you're reacting too late. Why are you putting Marshall on at all at the 89th minute? It, it made no you sense. Know, like, no sense. That could have easily been made 10 minutes earlier. Yeah, I mean, not even just that. It's like, don't have such an extreme reaction when... Young boys have been playing decently well most of the game. They did the work to, you know, tie the game. You're at 1-1. You're not losing, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, 
at least give a semblance of you're still trying to go for it. I get you're away. I get, you know, the fans are, are really rough out, you know, in, in over there. It's um, they're lively and at, at completely during this, but you're still, you're giving it away. You're get, you're basically saying, all right, if you can get through, then all right, you deserve it. Right. That's, that's not the way to play that at all. No. And even with like all the fans and stuff, you got to think ahead because one of the main things with the champions league group stage this is a key tiebreaker because you know you're going to face them again. You've already gotten any sort of head-to-head or any kind of points issues. Yeah, that goal matters tremendously. I'm not saying, you know, young boys are really going to challenge, but the way things are, you never know. You want to try to bank the easier results. And this was, at least for United, an easier result. They threw it away. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, you know, Atalanta and and Villarreal drew 2-2. I mean, that could easily have been you as well. And, you know, you're talking about a different different table to start out. And Mm -hmm. I get it. It's early, but this is two points that you're dropping. I mean, you're dropping everything. You're dropping all three points here. Same thing that happened last year with Besiktas. Um, It doesn't look... It's not a great look right now. No, uh, not at all. And, that, and that's this is one of the problems that you know we've seen. And, and you could look at the at Ronaldo's face uh, at the end. He he was very very frustrated. Um, look, his goal wasn't anything uh, super, uh, you know, anything you want to just like go put on a poster or anything. But it was a goal nonetheless. He put mm-hmm. his team ahead. He did what he's supposed to do. Um, he had the other shot on goal, for God's sake. So, like, the team, again, just stopped really trying to go for it at all, which, I, again, I get it. You're away from home uh, against a young boys team that has been coming at you. But Solskjaer needs to learn from this, and it feels like sometimes he he doesn't. He keeps making some of the same mistakes over and over, and in these – you know, European nights, you only have so many of them that you can take those opportunities. Exactly. With this and with the group stage, you only get six chances. That's it. You can't throw away any of them. No, definitely can't. And they learned uh, they will have to deal with that uh, going forward. And, of course, you know, they'll have a game on the weekend as well. But, obviously, again, just to, to round this out, Ronaldo. Definitely has uh, that team looking different and even eating differently, Eric, as uh, <laughs> apparently none of the team wants to eat dessert now after they eat with Ronaldo there because he does not eat dessert at all. So, I mean, um, can you blame them? I've seen all kinds of videos. We saw what happened at the Euros with him and the whole thing with water training regimen where it's all kinds of not only just work protein very careful about what he eats and all this stuff i wouldn't want to eat dessert around him knowing that he would just come in and just stand there and stare at me for five minutes <laughs> i'd be like i'm good i'm i'm, I'm all right 
Yeah, uh, definitely an intimidating uh, thing to worry about there, <laughs> for sure. So, uh, Eric, I mean, what is your headline? Well, we talked about, you know, we're coming off of the international break. A little bit of a rough one for the U.S. couple key injuries, but there was some hopefully good news at the very least about Christian Pulisic. He had that injury in the last match against uh, Honduras, but while it's bad, it's not entirely terrible. Thomas Tuchel from Chelsea coming out and saying it's not pretty, but we're hoping it's only 10 days. He'll miss a couple of matches with Chelsea, but should be back at it. But it's going to make for some interesting timing how much that he's going to be able to try to get back in form because the next break in October is right around the corner. Yeah, definitely. That's been a concern as well. You know, Gio Reyna is going to miss a, a couple of weeks already. He's going to miss a couple of Dortmund games. He missed the one on the weekend, obviously. Uh, is he going to be available uh, for those games? Uh, you know, Weston McKinney did play after all of the controversy. Uh, so that's positive for him, even though he didn't have the greatest of games at all. Uh, so, I mean, it's going to be a very interesting who is available for the United States. And even if Christian Pulisic, okay, only misses 10 days, are you still calling him in and hoping that he plays at least one of the three? Or are you letting him rest? Uh, for that time, I mean, we got to remember, Pulisic has, it's a different uh, situation than McKinney and Gio Reyna and some of these other guys uh, have at their clubs. You know, people, he can't, he, he's starting mm-hmm. right for young boys. Uh, Brennan Arison is starting for Salzburg, uh, who should have uh, beat Sevilla today. Uh, how you have three penalties and make one in the first half. Uh, Beyond me there. That's <laughs> like the gods are trying to give you the game and you did yeah. not want to take that at all. But going off topic here, it's like Pelicis is the one that has a stacked team with stacked players in front of him playing his same position. And he has got to fight not only to, to just get in the team, not just mm-hmm. to get fit, but to get in the team in general. Uh, you know, Mason Mount, Ziyech, Kovacic now. Uh, I'm forget uh, Havertz. I mean, there's probably others that I can't think of right now that are all playing around the same position that he has to figure out how to make that team and, and make that squad regularly, let alone like maybe one game out of the ones that he's going to be able to play before that October uh, window comes around. I mean, if he's not playing at all or he's really not fully fit, I mean, maybe you call him in for morale purposes. But, you know, I think you definitely have to – that has to be a concern for uh, Ray Burhalter. Yeah, absolutely. You know? And if I'm Burhalter, I'm thinking long and hard. And I would hope he's planning right now saying, all right, we have the worst-case scenario. He's not going to be available. How am I going to structure this team for these three matches? Because the more and more the time goes, and this is if all things are utopian. You know, if there's any kind of even a minor setback, we hope there isn't. But if there is, that's even more of a burden on him. More time, more time to try to get fit in the team. And then 
all of a sudden he can't be available. So what do you do? Yeah, it is certainly a concern, but he did have the positives of being able to see what that team looks like mm-hmm. and then had that big come from behind win against Honduras. Um, so definitely I think that is something that he can look at and say, okay, we played without those three guys, which you still don't know what you're going to do with Weston McKinney when it comes to the national team, even if he does play with Juventus, which Juventus really doesn't have a lot of options at this point. Um, that they're almost paying him because they have to, right? Um, so, mm-hmm. and, and you're having to rotate the squad a little bit because of the Champions League game that they uh, handily won today. Uh, so, you know, and Dybala looked good as well, which we haven't been seen that from him in a while, at least for Juventus. And, uh, you know, Morata scored again. So that's also positive for them. But, yeah, I, I think for Pulisic, it's good that he's only missing 10 days. But we'll have to see what that actually means Absolutely. as far as being fit, actually being completely back from COVID, being back to himself, and then also getting to be in the team before you get to that October window, uh, for sure. So, I mean, I think we, you know, I covered kind of what I've watched uh, this week. Unfortunately, I really did plan to watch the FC Dallas game, which now I definitely have to go back and <laughs> at least watch highlights or something because. That was a thriller that I uh, apparently missed. I'll talk more about that in the Supporters Club, but um, I really only got to watch the uh, the Man United game, and then I've watched highlights of, of other games uh, in general. I will say uh, Lukaku, man, he is he is something else. Uh, men amongst boys. Obviously, Mims setting it up nicely, very much like Lingard uh, for that for one of the goals, uh, helps a lot. But, I mean, he, he was the lone scorer for Chelsea as well in Champions League. That guy just has come back with a fury and keeps uh, doing amazing things um, for that team. And, I mean, that's a testament to him, honestly, of he's wanted to prove that he can do well in that league, and he's doing that uh, very yeah. much so. He's wanted to prove himself that he can do well, plus he's got a team, and he feels like he is – loved and wanted at Chelsea and when you have a player like Lukaku who you show him you're appreciating him you're making him a centerpiece this is the damage that he can do for you so yeah everybody else also better be on notice yeah certainly I mean that's that's one that I think uh, you've got to watch because he's very much like Ronaldo that dude is scoring goals and as long as he's doing that and Chelsea uh, can keep everything else going around them. That's that's going to be a team you don't want to mess with um, at all uh, going forward. So definitely need to keep a watch on that. And I did watch some of the uh, Real Madrid game as well, getting to have a Kamavinga come in and score basically on your on your coming in and like five minutes later scoring, <laughs> uh, taking advantage of Modric trying to do everything by himself and getting a rebound there that's hey that's all you need to ask for Benzema man that dude also another one that just can't stop scoring uh he looked tremendous for France in that sec in that last game and then he carried that over for Real Madrid a hat trick there and that dude is just very much very many times he was the unsung hero for Real Madrid and he keeps proving that you could talk about star here star here 
that team doesn't go anywhere without Benzema. No, he he's been the engine for a long time, and that's why even with all the big names that have come and gone, he's the main reason why they're still really one of the classes of La Liga. Out and out. Yeah, I'm going to talk about a big class of all one of my teams uh, when we talk about the Supporters Club for next week. That's going to be one I've got circled that I make sure <laughs> I'm going to watch one way or the other before we get to this show again next week. Eric, what uh, have you watched? Well, in the midst of all of my other stuff that I've also been covering, taking care of everything I was going through, and you know I'm a sucker for a good World Cup. We'll be talking yes. about that later on. So I was going around and I was like, hey, wait a minute. You, you've got the Futsal World Cup. Hang on, let me go ahead and take a look at this for a bit. So it's like, huh, it was a Kazakhstan, Costa Rica. Granted, it wasn't entirely competitive in the second half. Kazakhstan yeah. wound up winning 6-1, but I'm like, okay. I'm, I'm glad to see that this is back. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, I mean, for, for someone that doesn't necessarily uh, always watch uh, Futs or, or really even know a lot of what futsal is, explain that. For so, the pitch indoors, a little bit bigger than your traditional basketball court. Five aside, four field players and a keeper, two halves, 20 minutes stop time. And for those who, and I've mentioned this here in the States, if you've ever, if you've ever watched the major indoor soccer league, it's very similar to that, except it's more of like a traditional soccer and basketball style rather than the hockey element. But very entertaining, very quick pace, yet you still have some of those physical moments like you see in the outdoor game very entertaining overall if you've got say a spare hour hour and a half if there's a match on especially with the futsal world cup in lithuania going on now or you see with full matches online give it a watch all right well i would definitely have to uh uh check that out for sure uh you know and, and at least be able to talk to you about what's what's <laughs> happening uh, with the uh, with the futsal uh, World Cup, there, you know, Eric. Did, I mean, he's not joking. We talked about already about the the beach soccer World Cup there. You know, we we talked about that. Uh, so, you know, I'm sure we'll be talking about other uh, World Cups as they they happen. Or, <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, since we're already on that. Subject. We talked about the World Cup uh, becoming a biannual thing, possibly. And that means every two years, uh, instead of being the current format, which is every four years, uh, on the last regular show, the last Tuesday show, um, which, again, hopefully you have been joining us for all of those. And if you have, uh, really appreciate that. Again, note that we are, we're not live on Twitch. Uh, currently and probably won't be for uh, the foreseeable future as this is the thing sometimes being part of a network. Uh, we do have other shows that do get recorded as well. And, uh, you know, one of our other uh, big shows 
on the in the entertainment side gets recorded at the same time as we do and uh they go live on twitch we're live on the facebook page and then you can go uh watch on twitch um later on demand as well as on youtube and then of course you can listen on wherever we do have uh podcasts so you know definitely always uh, check us out and i appreciate that but if you, you didn't listen last week both Eric and I talked about how we didn't really think it was the greatest. It wasn't the, the best idea, uh, especially for the men. Um, and quite frankly, I, I want to apologize because we didn't really talk about what that means for the women. So I think before we talk about the, I guess, current situation with the men's side, I think we definitely need to give the women a fair, a fair shot here and discuss what this means for them. Uh, obviously, we have also talked about in the previous, uh, not the last show, but the show before that, that CONCACAF has created a women's gold cup or is, is in the process of creating a women's gold cup and also sort of like a women's uh, nations league or women's uh, qualifying uh, structure that's more of a actual qualifying structure uh, for the, especially for the United States women and, and some of the other, and Canada and that will now have to actually go through that. Um, so, that being said, one tournament is 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 great and all, but that's usually something that happens, you know, during the summer when you don't have the World Cup and and the World Cup qualifying is what it is. You always have to go through that. But having something where you don't have a lot of fixtures, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the NWSL doesn't have this gigantic amount of teams like MLS does. So even though their season does have quite a few games we're not talking about the length of a season of say a european season or uh, or anything like that so they don't play that many games they play a lot of friendlies still for the women's national team they have the the double with paraguay uh, coming up pretty quickly here in a couple of days uh that being said but a lot of them don't necessarily mean a whole lot right so yeah Having two a World Cup every two years for the women maybe makes more sense. I mean, it can. Now, obviously, especially for CONCACAF in particular, how they have their cycle set up, combining between the W Championship, Women's Gold Cup, and how they are focusing on the World Cup and Olympic qualifying, they would have to obviously redo that from scratch if you have something biennial. But if they can incorporate both of those, I think it would be very helpful. Now, you're still going to run into the issue with the Olympics. Because while for the men, the Olympics are a U23 tournament, for the women, it's always been full senior international. So there would have to be discussions with that, how to fit that in the international calendar as well. But if they can get those and still keep the World Cup on maybe odd-numbered years like they have it, it would be great for the women's game because you would have many more meaningful fixtures. Yes, you would require, just like with the men, twice as many European championships. You would maybe have to redo the schedule there. Of course, with the something like with South America... They're like a Copa America Femenina, things like that, you would have to redo. But it's easier, and especially for programs 
we even discovered at the last World Cup, Chile, they went two whole years without a match. So if you have something meaningful and especially local, that would be great for teams like Chile to help continue their development and maybe become one of those South American powerhouses and show themselves up on the world stage. So while it's less work to be done, I think it's definitely something that, if done right, can be extremely beneficial. Yeah, but I, I think that's the thing is we can s- – the difference in the men's game and the women's game is – and I'm going to talk about the equal pay situation as far as my mm-hmm. topic – is still a we – can, we, can, we can broach that subject with the, men, with the United States mm-hmm. because the women have been – and Canada is perhaps the only other team that can say that that have been so much better than the men that you can really have that conversation. Absolutely. But in almost every single other country, the men are, have, you know, when you talk about all of the other countries that have made big moves at the Women's World Cups, uh, Japan is perhaps the only other one, Mm -hmm. uh, aside from Canada and the U.S., that the women have done a lot better than the men. but. When you look at Brazil, yep, you know Argentina, Mexico, Germany, uh, England, France. You can I, I can keep going. What is your first thought? What the men have done? Yep, right. I mean, they may have these players that you know by name, like a Marta, or I really can't think of the one of the German players at this moment, but they have some very well known players. Um, Les Omer for France. I mean, so it's a huge gulf in when you get into country by country, how much they care about the Copa America Femenina. Mm-hmm. The, the UF, the Women's Champions League in Europe gets a lot of attention and whatever. But again, the gulf in how much that's cared about between the men and the women is even the fact it, yeah. that they've just recently started to adopt similar formats in tournaments right. with men's and women's champions league. I, it's very much like the, uh, you know, ESPN tries their hardest to make the men and women's college basketball seem equally important, mm-hmm. but it doesn't matter how much they really try to make the women's college basketball a big deal. It pales, it still pales in comparison to, and it doesn't matter how many times Connecticut goes undefeated or Stanford goes undefeated or how many other, you know, teams have these magical runs, Baylor, Tennessee back in the day. It's not anything like the March Madness for the men. No. Or whatever. And so, like, we could say that it interrupts this. And yes, the Olympics is important, right? The Olympics is the other tournament that the women do care more about because they get to feel that full national team. So they will have to figure out how to make qualifying work. But again, FIFA doesn't give two craps about what the Olympics have to do. They don't care about, you know, whether the Olympics get what they want or whatever. They don't even have to release players for the Olympics if they don't want to. No, they don't. So that tells you exactly how, what they think about the Olympics. So for them, the Olympics is their competition, honestly. So that's another reason why they're, they have this attitude towards them. So 
the women stand a chance of actually that really benefiting them from TV rights to marketing to it really does allow for if you have more World Cups, more nations will care about it. Mm -hmm. More nations will start trying to develop more into the women's side of the game, I feel like, because they have a chance to make it. Right, they just uh, updated the team, the amount of teams to thirty-two. Yep. So now you're getting thirty-two teams in, so you're automatically going to get more teams in than you did in the past. Mm-hmm. But again, you have the chance of more countries starting to develop women's league, maybe not women's leagues, but at least women's national teams to get on that stage, and that's something that you may not see if it only you know you're only having an Asian. Femenina Cup or uh, Copa America Femenina or whatever, you know? Yeah. And, and with it's something like that, you even have the more continents investing and caring about this competition more because even with now, with the next Women's World Cup in Australia, New Zealand, they're already amped up for that. But Australia's had another one of those powerhouse women's teams led mm -hmm. by Sam Kerr, who's done better than the men. But Right. That's just another one of those exceptions. Plus, you really want to make football a global game. We talked about how FIFA isn't going to touch certain countries and continents on the men's side. But if you have more World Cups for the women, you can explore those places more. Right. Have those like more opportunities for hosting tournaments. And then you get more development starting with the women's game and then potentially feeding into maybe a better development for the men's game as well, but you accomplish a much greater purpose. Yeah. And, and hopefully also that means that the prize money for the women continues to go up as well, because right mm -hmm. now the gulf between the men and women's prize teams is absolutely ridiculous, you know, and, I, and that's why I do understand the, the fight for equal pay between the women and the men's uh, national teams, especially in the U S where again, the women have been the dominant team mm -hmm. in the region for so many years. And the men have failed to qualify. They yep. have they have years where they don't really do anything. Yeah. Uh, they can win gold cups and all that kind of stuff. But when it comes to the big stage, they have many more World Cups where they have absolutely faltered. Yeah. And when where they have accomplished something. And I mean, just like this comparison, going back to 1990, because the first FIFA Women's World Cup was in 91. Since 1990, women's team, four World Cup titles, never finished worse than third. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, for the U.S., three and out in the group stage, round of 16, three and out again, quarterfinals, three and out, round of 16. Round of 16 didn't qualify. Yeah. And that's the last stage you had. The women won the World Cup and the men didn't even freaking qualify. Nope. So, I'm like, they have that case to make for the equal pay. Uh, but to me, when I look at this and, and the part of this equal pay argument now is that they're both going through collective bargaining agreements. Mm -hmm. with U.S. Soccer Federation. The men are very close to uh, going ahead and making theirs official. But the U.S. Soccer Federation has now kind of come out and said, oh, 
Well, you know that big golf and FIFA prize money that, that exists, right? Where FIFA has uh, proposed awarding $440 million in prize money to teams that take part in the men's 22, 2022 World Cup, up from the $400 million in 2018. So even though the U.S. did not go to the 2018 World Cup, right? So from 2014, mm-hmm. I guess, where it would have still been somewhere in the range of 360-something, right. probably. Right. Whereas the women only earned a paltry 38, I mean, we're talking about millions here. It's not paltry for, you know, us, <laughs> but for them, it's 38 million in 2019. It's going to go up to 60 uh, million in 2023. That is a huge gulf in pay. Yeah. Cause I, I mean, when you're looking at it, the entire prize pool of the last Women's World Cup, France made more than that by themselves winning in 2018. Yep. And by a margin of almost $10 million. So, it's humongous. Yeah, it's huge. And But do you think this is really the right way to go about it? To just say... Hey, you men, women, y'all figure it out, right? Like, doesn't that seem weird? You're the governing body. Mm -hmm. Like, shouldn't you make a decision one way or the other? Shouldn't you side with one or the other here? Yeah. Instead of saying, well, y'all figure it out. We're not going to enter into a collective bargaining agreement with either one of you unless there is... Uh, especially because there's 28 players on the U.S. Women's National Team involved in a lawsuit against this for gender discrimination. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we're not going to do that unless we take the importance of equalizing people will cut prize money. Well, so you're basically telling the men to take a huge pay cut to equalize it with the women instead of just paying the women more on your end. And completely agreed. Yeah. And they, I get, they have no control over FIFA, how they get their money. It's a huge, big revenue thing. I get that from a business standpoint. But at the same time, you're not FIFA. You can arrange all these things within the U.S. and working better with CONCACAF. And you can decide your individual particular players what they make how they do it, and you can figure it out from there. Kicking the can and saying, oh, well, this stuff is above our pay grade, and yada, yada, that makes no sense. That's a terrible argument, and this is just going to make U.S. soccer look worse. Yeah, I mean, the men have not commented on this at all. Uh, Becca Rue, who represents the uh, U.S. Women's National Team Player Association, said it's simply false that in past negotiations the Federation offered the women's national team the exact same contract as the men, and that if the USSF was serious about equal pay, they would not engage in publicity stunts, which falls short of addressing our issues. Yeah, because this is what this is. Mm-hmm. Right? It's, well, let's see if the men will just do it, right? If they'll just be like, all right, well, we really want equal pay for the women, so here, we'll just let y'all have half the money, right? That's Number one, it's probably not going to happen. Whether no. you want the equal pay or not, I mean, this is not uh, 
the way to handle this. Yes, you don't control people's bonus money, but it's almost like you're saying, "Well, men, y'all need to y'all need to show that y'all really do care," uh, because we can't make a decision. We can't just decide to pay them more, the women more. You guys got to just kind of y'all got to deal with it and 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 cover the bill, basically. And it's like, hey, it's not their fault that this goal no. in pay exists. Right, it's not their fault that these contracts exist. Right, it's they are not to blame for this. Really, it's U.S. soccer that mm-hmm. needs to step up here and make a statement. Right, they really do. Maybe you can't do equal pay right now. Maybe that's what it is, Eric. Maybe it's just not viable at this moment. Yeah. But you could certainly say, "Well, we're going to take that step and pay them." Yeah, and, and if it's not viable, fine. Give us reasons why, legitimate reasons, and give a time frame to where it can be. Because if you at least have something concrete and don't randomly spout off something or keep kicking the can, kicking the can, you give yourself some sort of power to work with in these lawsuits. But if you're going to throw away any sort of leverage for the sake of stupidity, sorry, you're going to get hammered in more ways than one. Yeah, and it will be interesting now when uh, the next cycle of MLS rights come up mm-hmm. because the U.S. national team, men and women's rights have been decoupled from that. So they are available individually, or I don't know if they're available as a package, but they're available separately from MLS. So the games can now be purchased by a Fox and ESPN. Uh, Paramount Plus, CBS, NBC, or whoever, uh, separately from whoever decides to get the MLS back. Yep. And unfortunately, probably what's going to happen again is I wouldn't be surprised if the men and women are together anyway. Mm-hmm. How do you divide up that revenue stream? You know, how do you divide that up? How do you divide all these other things up? Maybe you need to start looking at how that is divided in the future instead of just saying it's all based on this prize money. We got to figure out and just just give it away. And that is something U.S. soccer needs to address in all the in these collective bargaining agreements and really get. I mean, they made steps and provided, you know, a lot of things for the women that weren't there previously or weren't as well, you know, thought out. For the women, you know, they they gave them uh, more guaranteed money, whereas the men are paid on like a revenue scale. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the the women have uh, like four hundred one ks and other things in their contracts that maybe perhaps are not in the men's. You know, they have severance, they have injury pay, they have pregnancy leave, um, you know, maternity leave, uh, pay. Uh, if you you're also playing the in NWSL, yep, you know healthcare benefits. I mean, they got a lot in that last CBA as well. But again, all that stuff's great, but the money is still a big issue, and it really US is. Soccer needs to do something. It, it it really is. I hope they find a way to sit down, do the math, do the right thing. But I don't know. It, yeah, it, but but just leaving it to. The representatives on both the women and men's side is not, no, not no. the way to do it. It's like, oh, well, 
All right, we're not going to actually take a position. This is your job. Do it. Right? If you got to mm-hmm. face the tough question, get Too bad. That's It's part right. and parcel. So, I mean, U.S. Soccer Federation, as you guys would say on the kickoff, right? Get it together. Get it together. So, Look at you with giving the old call back. I'm liking that. <laughs> <laughs> so let's go on with um, how we usually end the show here. Our supporters club. What, how are things looking on, on your end? Uh, I, I mean, DC United, it was another one of those kind of like lackluster moments. Fell behind, gave up a first half goal. We're able to get a good draw out of it, 1-1, so not terribly bad. And then Orlando City, I guess the buzz saw that his Atlanta United has returned. Yeah. We went that head-on, came up a little bit worse for wear with a 3-0 loss, but I want to be mad, but given the state of Atlanta United, I really can't. Plus, still our position in the Eastern Conference, so it's one of those things to where could it have been better? Absolutely, but ah, we can bounce back. Yeah, seeing what Eric is referring to here, uh, or you know, New England is basically taking the supporter shield and running away with it at this point, and they really, honestly, just cannot. Put a step wrong because when they do, they just seem to, to have, a, have find a way out of it. But this was a huge win for Atlanta United because now they're within a point of that seventh spot and two points from the sixth and fifth spot. So, I mean, Atlanta United could come roaring back here and start marching their way up the table if they can continue to get. Uh, this run of form going that they have uh, ever since they changed and uh, got rid of Hanse as their manager. And, and now they're with uh, uh, Gonzalo Pineda. They have just continued to just do what they do. And DC United is kind of holding on there uh, for yeah. dear life. They're already battling with inner Miami, Philadelphia, Montreal and Columbus as well. They're the the defending champs. We're not, just talking about Atlanta here. This is Columbus is also involved in this. It's a one, two, three, four, five. It's six teams fighting for three spots. It's not a uh, very easy, and and New York could also get pulled into this too if they if they don't start pulling away. Um, so, you know, yeah, the East right now is a total mess, and. For all the news that MLS is doing, scheduling a playoff game on Thanksgiving Day, you wonder now who's going to be in some of those playoff games. Yeah, I mean, but to be fair, it's not like we don't have other sports on Thanksgiving Day here. I mean, you know, <laughs> the other the other football is also a Thanksgiving Day tradition at this point. I mean... Sometimes you have basketball, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you have basketball at Christmas. I mean, for God's True. sake. <laughs> so, I mean, like, it's not, it's not out of the realm here that you can have a playoff game on Thanksgiving, but it's just weird the way that, you know, MLS uh, does this. And the fact that the entire season now has to go all the way deep into 
well, not deep, but into the early part of November um, says a lot there. And, I mean, if they keep adding teams or when more teams up here, this is just going to be a bigger problem uh, for them. But, uh, you know, they will have to figure that out as uh, things keep going. But, yeah, it's interesting uh, times on that front for, for both Orlando and D.C., course we talked about Manchester United on both of our ends so don't need to mention them again uh really here but uh I will talk about my MLS team here FC Dallas who rescued a point uh twice here and and keeping pace with like that bottom tier there of teams fighting uh for these spots uh to make the playoffs uh, you really would have liked to seen Dallas at least win one of those two games, but having tough draws against Real Salt Lake and then San Jose, I mean, I guess you didn't lose, so that's a positive. But Pepe, Ricardo Pepe did score in one of those, and Dallas coming back and tying the game twice, I think says a lot um, for, against the NYCFC. Uh, so that's a one that you know Dallas could have thought they could have had, but. You definitely have some teams that have been struggling in the West, and mm-hmm. if Dallas keeps <laughs> up the pace, I mean, they're not very far off at all from a 7th and 6th and even 5th with Portland. I mean, <clears throat> excuse me, Seattle, Sporting, Colorado kind of had themselves in a special tier in their first, second, and third, and Galaxy is kind of in between that. But then when you go from Portland, who's in fifth, all the way to LAFC, who's in eighth, there's not a lot between any of those teams. We could definitely see a lot of change by the time we get to it. Yeah, that is a very tight chase pack out west. I got a bit of faith in Dallas. You never know. I think they're one of those teams, again, they could sneak right in. Yeah, certainly. When I look at the European teams, though, I, I got lucky again that all the European teams, barring the United result today, um, looked really good on the weekend. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. Dortmund did their thing. Dortmund did the thing that they do, which is be uh, be down three different times against Leverkusen and then somehow come up with a 4-3 win. That's, <laughs> that's Dortmund. I've said it a million times. They have defensive <laughs> problems and they keep showing it. But when you have Erling Haaland, who just keeps scoring goals, that helps you a ton there. And uh, that header that he got for the first goal was absolutely uh, fantastic um, as well. America keeps winning. Of course, they're playing like the bottom tier of uh, Liga Mekis, so it helps when you're playing Matoslan, but you can only play the teams that are in front of you. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be interesting what happens with League's Cup when they play um, Philadelphia again. But you would think that they would, you know, move on. Uh, Seattle and Leon, did that officially finish already today? I uh, should that. have been. Well, I'll uh, check on it here in a little bit. But that's that's one to watch because it's the only uh, MLS team left. They and it wouldn't be an all um, all US or all Seattle and Santos Laguna in the League's Cup. Or Santos Laguna, yes, right. Yep, still scoreless. Still scoreless, okay. 
Is that a second leg or is that the first leg? Because I can't. Oh, with so the that's... League's Cup, it's one off. It's one off? Okay. Mm hmm. And I know All with right. the CONCACAF Champions League, they were talking about some of the coverage with, as you were saying, with Philadelphia Union and, oh, the Mexican block. I'm still a bit worried. Well, but the Philadelphia Union one, I thought that was a second leg. Yeah, that is that one's the second oh. leg in okay. CONCACAF Champions League. Okay, that's from wait, wait, there's two competitions? I'm confused now. Yeah. Okay. Oh Lord. No. I thought they had renamed the CONCACAF Champions League League's Cup. So this is no, two different that's, Okay. Yeah, think of the League's Cup as like the Europa League kind of okay. in Europe. Because, and we'll be getting to this later as the time approaches, when the CONCACAF Champions League revamps in 2023, where the format's going to be entirely different, not only will the League's Cup commit to expanding to 16 teams, and it's being selected by those who don't qualify between MLS and Liga MX for the CONCACAF Champions League, it's like, all right, well, these next eight teams of each league, you're going to play in the League's Cup. And there's going to be so many League's Cup spots for the new CONCACAF Champions League. And remind me to go over that whole thing because, again, it's Well, definitely that needs to be one perfect. for next week because yes, with definitely. these games happening, I think we definitely need to, mm-hmm. uh, we need to get to that. But just to refresh, I guess it's, Club America playing Philadelphia, which America already has a 2-0 lead. Uh, they are going into Philadelphia tomorrow, but that's not really saying much. And then Cruz Azul, who hasn't looked like Cruz Azul at all, is playing Monterrey uh, in the second leg of their thing and on the next day on Thursday. So we'll get to the, I guess they'll get to that. And yeah, I mean, going beyond that, uh, Marseille wins again, uh, defeating Monaco, who have really not looked themselves lately. Totally positive for me on uh, Marseille getting to keep pace in the in the table in the league there, uh, with PSG getting to put themselves up out front on that. But I'm glad to see that Marseille is hanging on with uh, Bamba Dieng scoring both those goals. But for me, I think the one that stands out on my uh, for my teams is aside of, you know, Milan continuing to be undefeated. Valencia is in, in right there with Real Madrid in the table and second. I think Real Madrid's at first due to goal scored, but they're level on everything else. And Real Madrid and Valencia play this week. So yeah. And that that's going to be, be the fun. one with the rules in La Liga with that kind of magic point, head-to-head tiebreaker, that's going to be one to watch. Yeah, I mean, they walked. Also, Sunam went up 1-0, and then Valencia just let him have it after that. Guedes had a fantastic performance, uh, scoring one that was deflected, but was still a a heck of a goal, and then just not slamming one in there. Uh, Adorete had a header, like, this game was absolutely fun to watch if you're a Valencia fan, so I enjoyed the heck out of it. Um, this game with uh, Real Madrid is going to be uh, certainly one uh, to watch this weekend. When you talk about games to watch this weekend, 
that is going to be, dude, one that you got to check out uh, for sure. Of course, Dortmund's still got to play uh, their Champions League game against Besiktas uh, tomorrow. Uh, Milan also has that big game with Liverpool tomorrow. So that's going to be uh, fun to watch, getting to you know, relive that fantastic uh, affair there. Marseille has a Europa League game. America, of course, has that CONCACAF Champions League game. So midweek action and then, of course, weekend action. For all of these, uh, for these, for these squads too. So fun things ahead as the soccer world goes back to the club game after having that long international break. That's going to do it for us here on Soccer to the Max this week. Hopefully you have enjoyed, um, our, uh, you enjoyed our coverage of the three US Men's National Team games. I still don't know what's going to happen with the Paraguay game with the women's national team because that game is happening very early. I was fortunate enough to where the games were happening as I was getting off work for the men, and then Sunday I just happened to get off work really early on Sundays. A game being completely finished by the time I get off work and then having to make Eric wait until one o'clock in the morning for me to finish watching the game uh, is kind of mean <laughs> to say <laughs> the least. So I don't know if maybe we'll just, we won't do it right after the game. We'll just do it another, another day or um, I just don't want to, you know, not give equal shrift to the women, oh, but yeah. I will say that it's different to be at the beginning of everything. Because you just finished the Olympics. So you're at the beginning of everything for the women. Whereas mm-hmm. the men are doing World Cup qualifying for the 2022 World Cup. Different thing there. If we're talking about the women World Cup qualifying, women uh, Olympic qualifying, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, women's World Cup, women's Olympics, or or even those tournaments that they would, um, you know, come up with the She Believes or, or whatever. I think that's a different thing than... But this is just a random friendly, uh, you know, that they're doing. So I don't know. Well, Eric and I will just uh, talk about it. and But we probably definitely will not be doing it Thursday after the game is over. It will probably, I would say even if it's not Saturday sometime, maybe Sunday when I get off work. We might cover. That's doable. But, we can work it out. Yeah, we can work it out off air. But thank you for listening, for watching. Uh, we really appreciate it. You can listen to us on anywhere there are podcasts, whether that's Overcast, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple, Google, whatever you like to listen to your podcasts on. Uh, we have that available for you. Make sure you go check that WTMNet.com. Go check the Network for, you know, the kickoff that Eric does where they talk about the American football. Uh, my video games to the max uh, that I do as well. Talking about video games is on there. So you definitely should check out that. Uh, Mark Rylich and the whole crew doing all the entertainment stuff. Um, that is there for you. They have everything from comics to movies to TV shows. Um, you definitely should uh, be checking out what they do there. So subscribe to WT Network and get everything we do. And then, of course, um, you know, you can check us out here on the YouTube, on Twitch, on the Facebook page. And soon we will have a Discord as well. So. You can we're working assume, on it. We're working on it. Yes, we're working on it. Soon we you will be able to converse with us and with hopefully with other 
uh, fans of the shows as well uh, on on that front. So, well, until next time, folks, we'll see y'all later. Peace.